Okay. Um, hello, welcome. This is the first um, podcast of Paul and Ben, the Injury Men. Um, and I'm Ben Austin. And this is Paul Head. Hi, everyone. Yes, I'm here. So, a little bit of background about us. Um, Paul and I, we met at King's College, didn't we, Paul? Um, how many years ago was that now? God, that was, God, that was like eight years ago now, isn't it? Yeah. Long time. Time does get on a lot. Flies when you're having fun, though, doesn't it? Always, always. Although I'm not sure we were saying that. We did, we did the uh, two-year accelerated masters, which meant no summers, no time off, all placement, all coursework, all exam. Um, but it got us where we needed to go, didn't it? Yeah, it was good, it was good in the end, wasn't it? Yeah. Get over with. Um, so yeah, that's how we met. Um, and then tell us, Paul, a little bit of what you did straight after uni. Well, straight after uni, I sort of emigrated to Australia for a bit. So, sort of travelled, did a bit of working, and then came back to London a year later, and then started straight into private practice and been at the same place ever since, really. Uh, dabbled in a little bit of sport work, but mostly dealing with, yeah, general population for the last, yeah, five years now. It's been good. Um, and what about you? Um, so instead of buggering off to Australia, as we all wanted to, I uh, cracked straight on with work and, and got working in private practice in Surrey. Alongside that, I was um, working in the academy part-time at Crystal Palace. Um, and I was also doing some work with a South London football charity and club called Kinetic Foundation. So working a lot um, with young athletes, young footballers, and also seeing general population um, in the private practice, so exposing to a lot of different um, injuries and problems. And um, so, yeah, that was where we started off. Um, how did you get into your PhD, Paul? Because you're studying, you're, you're doing your PhD at St Mary's University. Tell everyone about that. Yeah, well, I, I sort of got into research when we were finishing our master's with our dissertation project. I know you sort of help, well, we're sort of both together with, but ended up getting that published a year later after and just sort of like the the research sort of method of things like the process of it uh, so as soon as I got back to London found out there was PhDs available here and I just emailed the university and then within that it was a bit of a whirlwind to then write up a 4,000 word proposal within a week and then a week later I was starting so Unreal. So yeah, it sort of come on and that was in 2016 and coming up to four years in, although it's obviously paused at the moment with everything that's going on, but uh, but no, I've only wanted to throw in the towel a few times, which is quite good going apparently. So Only a few, just the few. Yeah, only a few. So, But no, I was sort of back on track and looking into quite a few interesting things. So, What are you looking into yeah. at the moment, mate? Tell everyone what's going so, on. The basic premise is that we're sort of looking at how we can get people sort of stronger and bigger muscles without actually moving. So especially after injury, surgery, or even during like these lockdown periods, if you're not moving as much, you get really 
big declines in your muscle strength and size really quickly. Uh, and research shows this is almost up to a couple of percent a day. if You're not moving at all. So what we're looking at is if you use electrical stimulation. So you ever seen those ab belts on TV, the adverts for them? The Ronaldo one. Well, they actually don't do anything. But if you get <laughs> medical grade... Only, only, yeah, if only, yeah. I mean, I've tried, yeah. <laughs> and if you could see me, you'd know they weren't working. But the um, reason you're not on full length camera. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. So I'm in the dark room, so you can't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you apply the sort of, you can get electrodes onto a muscle and stimulate it. You can actually get a bit of change in someone's strength. But we're looking at combining that with something else called sort of blood flow restriction, which uses a bit of a blood pressure cuff to reduce the amount of blood flow to an area. And we're looking at if we get the combination right, if we can get people significantly stronger and bigger muscles as well so it's a way of getting strong and big without moving sort of your lazy way to get trained and we're finding sort of quite good results really at the moment so yeah it's really sort of interesting avenue but but yeah i mean a lot of work to be done the um the blood flow restriction obviously when you when you say that word sometimes to to people or patients, it sounds pretty intense, sounds pretty gnarly. Um, it, how do you reassure people normally as to it being quite safe and also not too unpleasant? I mean, to be honest, when I first heard about it, I thought it was a bit nuts as well. It doesn't yeah. exactly fill you with confidence. Let's restrict your blood and get you exercising. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't particularly make sense. Yeah. But um, uh, the way I reassure patients is, We've got there's so much research supporting it. I mean, when I looked this week, there was upwards of 260 articles on it, and it has the same safety as a traditional training as well. But I tend to reassure patients that we're just slightly reducing the blood flow. So I sort of term it it's a bit like altitude training, whereas mm you're going to have less oxygen available. So your body responds by sort of greater changes in, well, for altitude training, it's blood cells. Yeah. But for us, we restrict the oxygen a bit and we get greater changes in your muscle size and strength. Uh, so pretty, the way I would give it to a patient is, I would just say, well, I've used this for, I mean, I started using this in sort of 2013. Um, done it on hundreds if not thousands of patients now and and sort of the safety is there not only from myself but other papers and and yeah it's just a really hard way of it it does feel hard though that's the thing it's yeah sort of the basic premise is we can lift lighter weights with the blood flow restriction and get the same change as if we're doing a really heavy weight lifting really heavy weights but it feels like you are lifting heavy weights even though you're lifting light weights so so yeah, it's not, it feels really tough when it isn't, but, but yeah, it's just, it's sort of cheating physiology a bit, just sort of not having to lift as much to get more out of it. Yeah. And I, th I think once people try it, um, they get the buy-in anyway, because a lot of people who are, who we see, and obviously we're seeing people either in private practice or in sports settings, and they tend to be quite highly motivated and and some of them tend to be well-trained, or some of the athletes at least. So when they do have a go on the blood flow restriction or the, the occlusion, they, um, they, 
tend to see the benefits because they 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 maybe if it's an acute injury or even if it's a longer standing injury and they've not been able to train hard for a while they can train hard at those lower intensities um and or lower weights rather but get the same gains and that sort of pump feeling as well is that is that what you you find clinically as well oh yeah if you most people really like it because they feel like they're actually able to work hard and this is especially immediately after they've injured something or after a surgery and like all they've been doing in always is just laying in bed otherwise so then to actually get them to do stuff they feel like just a bit more alive with it but uh yeah it's sort of is is pretty tough but sort of really see such good results with it that my aim is to get more and more people doing it really Mm. sort of spreading it clinically as well so that so that goes on to this week you had um you presented a a conference what was that and and how did it go so that was a virtual conference so it's quite strange being sat in the lounge nervous in front of a computer screen (laughs) and then seeing on the bottom there was 1500 people listening in which yeah sort of filled me with dread a bit but that was on how we can maximize uh, muscle injury healing so it's more based to sports physios really but that went really well and I spoke about using the electrical stimulation and the blood flow restriction and sort of the amount of clinicians I've had contact me after is fairly crazy really so so now it went really good again it's just a way of cheating so I presented on how we can use electrical stimulation immediately after injury. So the day it happens Mm. to reduce the amount of swelling that we see. And then if we can reduce the swelling, we can sort of get people moving a bit quicker. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, but that, that research was from about 10 years ago. So they talk about research in clinical practice, sort of sick within 16 years or education 16 years later. So, we might have sped that up by only making it 10. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're obviously doing something right. Um, and what was, the, what was the conference? So it was the MA, is it the MAP Sports Network? Yeah, it was Sports MAP Network. So it's a, it's a company based in Australia, which they do virtual conferences. But yeah, it was, I mean, it was an early start. It was at half seven. So I haven't had to wake up early for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I bet that was a shocking alarm went off. How many coffees did you have before? I I made sure I had two coffees before at least. To wake up, have two coffees just to feel borderline human. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it was physios from the UK, the US, Australia, and presenters from from all around Europe and America as well. So, no, it was really, to be honest, I was really humbled to be part of the lineup because some of them were absolute idols of myself so mm. no it was yeah sort of gave me a bit of purpose in life which I haven't had for the last six weeks with lockdown as well which is nice no it's good mate I, I, I tuned in at, at um half seven it's a little bit late I wasn't in bed I was out and about but yeah you smashed it mate you did really well um and obviously it was a great great day with loads of good presenters who were giving you shout outs as well so you obviously did something right Oh yeah, I had to I had to chuck him a little virtual tenor for the show. Oh yeah, <laughs> done without anyone seeing. Um, t- tell us how um, lockdown lockdown's been going for you. 
generally and then um, we can get on a little bit to talk about kind of um, what people are doing in lockdown and maybe how we can um, share some insights into what's good for keeping fit and active um, during the rest of this this lockdown and quarantine so what have you been doing yourself so I've actually been doing a little bit of writing so we're sort of in the middle of doing a paper together on we're a case study yeah. I've had a few other studies that I'm writing up for a PhD I've got one accepted this week which hooray for that buzzing. and yeah buzzing for that and no, I've been doing a bit of writing trying to stay active but I mean it is pretty tough yeah Sort of what you see on social media is feel like everyone should be running marathons daily, which is the norm, but I'm definitely not doing much of that. Um, been doing a bit of gardening, keeping myself sane outside. Lucky to have a garden. Yeah. I'll actually get outside. But mostly, yeah, mostly sort of writing up stuff for my PhD, really, because my studies have been sort of postponed for a while, but it gives me a chance to sort of catch up on writing. Mm. But, uh, but no, but you've been seeing quite a few patients, haven't you? But during video consultations and stuff. Yeah, it's been a it's been a big shift. Obviously, um, for those that don't know, Paul and I run a. We opened up uh, in November last year of a physio clinic in in Surrey called BFR Physiotherapy Clinic, and um, yeah, it's not been the greatest time to start a business, but um, I have still been able to keep going and keep some of our clients and patients going by doing video consultations. It's a bit of a shift. It's definitely nothing that um, I've really experienced before, um, but it's working really well. I think it's been a great opportunity for a lot of clients to self-manage and really experience not only having to do everything completely themselves without any sort of tactile feedback or that interpersonal um, in the room type coaching or interaction from the physio, but they've had to really go away and experience different movements and experience different exercises so that they work well. The first couple are a little bit awkward, um, but uh, especially people, the ones that work really well are the ones who are in the middle of their rehab. So I've got a couple of people who are in the middle of their ACL rehab um and there's some other injuries like um some ankle injuries um achilles problems and they when they've already started a program the continuation of that works quite well because you can review the movement um over over the zoom or skype or whatever it is and then share your screen go through the program changes discuss any problems they might have and it and it, it works well and I think it's going to really open up new avenues in terms of not only physiotherapy in the future and rehab but I think healthcare in general um, I, I still think person to person and face to face is the gold standard um, but I think it's uh, if there is a necessity there to do things remotely it's showing us that we can so it's been working yeah, it's just well. that accessibility isn't it just massively got almost a healthcare professional in your pocket at all times yeah a little because that that's the thing i like i know you just like we've talked about this before it's the general public's opinion of how they manage an injury is just so varied yeah whereas 
like if you were a football player, the person running on is a physio. Yeah. Whereas the general public might twist their ankle, but they'd still go to their GP yeah. rather than go into like a physio, who would generally have more um, sort of knowledge in that area. And it's just so much easier, isn't it? Once you get them early, mm. how much easier it is to progress them. Whereas yeah, the process. longer it's left, it's just a lot harder to get people going. Well, it's true, and, and we always go back to the the type of if we talk about the the average person that we might see in our clinic, we might see someone who might be in their forties or fifties, um, and they've come in with, um, or they they've come in with a back pain. But what they describe to us is not a, a new back pain that's happened yesterday or the day before. Often they've gone to their GP, their GP who is busy and only able to do a ten minute consultation is not able to give an in depth musculoskeletal assessment um, they've often given them some painkillers sent them on their way told them to rest which we know as physios is like yeah. the dirty r word um, <laughs> so they've come away and they've come they've not had any resolution they may have gone back to their gp they've given them maybe stronger painkillers or anti-inflammatories and then the problem's just getting worse and they're just masking it with these these pills um, and no one wants to be on these so they come into our clinic and by that point they're in a lot worse shape and they may have not done any exercise for, well, I've seen people that have done half a year or even up to a year or even more. I'm sure you probably have as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's not where we want to be seeing injuries, is it? At that point, we want to be seeing them early on. No, absolutely not. Earlier the better. And that sort of leads on to why we're doing this podcast in the first place, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Just sort of trying to give... Well, A, we're going to try and give some pointers for sort of how people can manage different injuries, health-related issues, especially down lockdown. But, but yeah, but long-term, we sort of want to be answering questions, don't we? I think yeah. that was the plan. Yeah. I mean, I think we want physio to be not this secret that goes on in the clinic room and it's only the really the person and their family that knows what's going on we want it to be accessible for everyone and and so if we can answer any questions um from people that that send them into us that would be great and if we can share that and disseminate that information more widely hopefully there can be some some better habits in the in the general population so that people aren't always not that not that it's bad to go to the gp but for some conditions, I think physios are very capable of uh, triaging and managing them instead of having to bother the uh, the doctor. Yeah, and a lot of things can just literally be managed by the person as well. well exactly. They sometimes they don't need any input at all. Yeah, just a, a bit of bit of basic understanding, sort of help keep themselves active. Well, mo probably most most issues that we see, if we're being honest in clinic, I think. Um, most issues you probably can manage well yourself and, and we should really only be seeing people who have exhausted a lot of avenues really and come to see us um so one thing that i have been seeing a lot of during lockdown um i think is the start of people running um there's obviously been this 5k challenge that the N that's raising money for the NHS charities, which is amazing on two fronts, not only raising money for those that cause, but also getting people out and moving. Obviously what that means is 
there might be with any increase in workload or spike in exercise or beginning of a new movement for some people, there is a bit of risk of injury. What do you think um, from a very kind of basic standpoint people should be doing if they are thinking about starting a running program from scratch? Well, I definitely agree that, I mean, it feels like it's the London marathon constantly outside my house all the time, the amount of runners you see. But I'd say the biggest issue people, when they start in running, is they'll probably go from not doing it for however long, even multiple years, to then maybe doing it every day. And it's just like natural human behaviour to go from nothing to a hundred in a second. Yeah. Whereas it's just trying to, to gradually allow your body to sort of adapt and cope with the new activity that you're doing mm. to allow it to grow. Because we don't want to not encourage people to be active. So that's why I think it's good that in the UK they're allowing everyone to go out for exercise. But but it's like with enemy, if you do definitely I see people just running too much maybe at the start as well yeah so you think the distances the in what they're doing running wise is that is that a big one i'd say a bit about the distance but more, more about the frequencies so how often they're doing them a week so yeah they're probably they're either doing stuff every day and it's the same thing every day mm-hmm. or they might do it for five like more of a weekday thing so like every day in the week yep rather than giving themselves like a day off in between, whereas it might be better to start off with just two runs a week yeah. initially to then allow your body to sort of respond to what you're doing. Yeah. And then maybe you can progress to three days a week the next week. Mm-hmm. But then in all honesty, I'd, I'd probably keep people at just three runs a week in general. Yeah. Because what I've seen before with runners is, runners like to run they'll yeah. do a hell of a lot of running yeah but they won't do a lot of anything else like in terms of strengthening or other conditioning work yeah i agree and i don't know about you but i always try to get them doing a bit of both so a bit of running but a bit of strengthening yeah definitely i think that's one of the biggest things i see i think your point on frequency is probably one of the most important things i think people are trying to come down when especially clients of mine who who have wanted to start running they they want to get down to what what sort of average kilometers per minute or miles per minute or try and get get down to the speed and and how i should be doing this and, and that's not really the most important thing when you start is it it's it's how often are you running are you recovering in between which is what you're saying and then are you doing some supplementary strength and conditioning work that's going to support you um for those runs so that you are strong and not just um, fatiguing yourself session to session um so yeah i think that's a really important point um what else how have you how have you been advising so you've been seeing people that are running a lot during this period yeah so what's been a couple of bits of advice like generally that you've been providing on a consistent basis would you say these people so i think the fundamentals like you've been saying um get your recovery in in between so recovery is not just our active um, methods like stretching sleeping well 
eating, but it's also just taking some time. And if you are still fatigued and, and that could be kind of centrally, like you're feeling really tired and, and um, not up for it, but also physically, like if your body is, is really sore and achy, then maybe you're best off to take another day off and then try and run a bit later on when you're feeling a bit fresher. Number one, you'll get a better quality of session, um, but you'll also feel better about yourself rather than having this negative association with running where you're like, oh God, this is the, this is hell. This is the worst thing ever. Yeah. You, you want to start something new that maybe you could take lifelong as, as, as an form of exercise. So I think, yeah, frequency is a big one. In terms of strengthening um, massively, we know that if you strengthen the muscle, you strengthen up the tendon and it, you can store more energy in the tendon and you actually improve your running efficiency. So strengthening is the big key one for me always. I'll be getting people doing um, both kind of bilateral, so two leg exercises, but we know that running is basically running from one leg to the other. So we also do some unilateral stuff as well. So those things might be like a single leg squat or a lunge or a split squat where one foot's up and one puts back resting on something and you're just trying to load up and exercise one leg at a time. Um, that might be for the quads and glutes and you could do some bridges, you can do a heel raise um, and there's lots of types of strength exercise and we could probably do a whole podcast on that. But that, those two things really from a more simple standpoint have been what I've been advising people and that's where we get into the programming side of things with individual clients i won't just give a blanket recommendation for some exercises i'll have a look at their movement and then prescribe them based on that yeah i think one thing that i know as someone that doesn't if you didn't know much about sort of science behind it if we're saying running too much is bad for you but then we're making you do other exercises in between mm. what's the difference with that so for me it's more we know that the strengthening, basically the stronger your muscle is, it just means it can tolerate more forces. Yeah. So like physics wise, the forces coming from the ground, if you're very weak, then rather than the muscle soaking that up, it's gonna hit your joints more. Mm. So within your knee, ankle, hip. But I'd say that definitely, yeah, strengthening is just something people generally don't do and yeah we know that running doesn't make you stronger you need to do strengthening exercise to get you to allow you to run further rather than what i found before is people just assume well if i just run lots i can run further but um yeah it's definitely yeah, what would you say for that yeah i, I agree i think i think there needs to be a, a differentiation between conditioning yourself and then getting yourself stronger um and yeah you, you might find some people that do just run and they 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 can get better but if you want to sharpen your tools a bit more effectively if you're talking about your body in that way um you, you've got to have both strength and and uh, and conditioning and 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 just doing running alone is not enough and and you might start off well but you certainly will finish off better if you uh and, and be able to last a plan a bit longer in terms of running over maybe six weeks if you do some strength work at the outset um what would you what would you say to people who um who are finding that okay maybe they're taking their rest periods in between their running days um and they might be picking up little injuries and, and niggles um 
let's say someone who's got some knee pain, just some just some basic knee pain. What what could they do um, in this time to try and help reduce the, the, some knee pain if they want to carry on running? That is, um, and they haven't started their strengthening yet. What what kind of things that they could, could they do as well? You could slightly change the way you run so where your foot lands on the floor it will it will dictate where the force the majority of the force goes so if you land really heavily on your heel then that means that your knee is going to take a bit more force than the ankle will be taking yeah so you can slightly change the land a bit more middle of the foot to land the middle of your foot hits the floor at the same time, so sort of front and back hit together. And that will shift it into the ankle. The yeah. issue with that is obviously it's putting more strain on the ankle. So if you've got very weak ankles and then you do that, then you've got more issues. So in general, I, I, in a perfect world, I want people to be strengthening up their whole leg. Yeah. So it'd be the ankle, quad and glutes as well. And like just a whole lower limb. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. Uh, but there's a there's a bit of research showing that if you increase the speed of your legs, so it's called your cadence, that you can sort of reduce the strain on your knee as well. Yep. Rather than really stomping down when you're running, which is what I do when I run, just <laughs> like the elephant man stomping down. Yeah. Uh, like the load going in. Um, but yeah, any other pointers from you? Yeah, I think I think that's a really important one. Um, I, I get a lot of people asking, and I had this myself. So I had a big big tear in my plantar fascia and big irritation um, after finishing off a, uh, the London. I can't remember whether it's the London landmarks or the London ten, one of the ten k runs. Um, and obviously, after that injury, I wanted to carry on running as quick as possible. I've made all these gains, and what you were talking about is this: the stride, speed, the cadence. Yeah. Uh, I introduced that as well as I was often a bit guilty of coming a bit narrow and going in front, so I improved my stride width. Um, so just tried to run with my feet slightly further apart, and I found that I was able to put a little bit less force through for. Um, or the plantar fascia as well as I was actually taping up the foot at that time as well just because I was in that phase where I was starting to strengthen I'd improved my heel raise and it was starting to become a bit more comfortable with lots of stretching and so I wanted to carry on my running just gently and, and yeah so those changes to your running actually will allow you to keep going and, and keep your conditioning high because often do, do you find that in clinic you find runners who have picked up an injury and then they just stop completely do you find that Again, yeah, I think 99% of the population, they will, they will feel pain somewhere and they'll immediately just stop, shut down. you got the one percenters that will feel stuff and just plough on regardless, uh, have sort of no fit, but yeah, just complete, just complete rest. But like we sort of touched on before is we know that any period of rest it's longer than a few days is just going to take a few weeks to build back up in terms of strength and yeah. sort of fitness. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely people, yeah, majority would just totally shut down. 
yeah. and then not move anything. But then they'd go from that period of total rest to then just run back again. Yeah. Rather than a bit of a graduated, oh, let's start off slow, a bit of a walk, run program, and then build you up slowly. It's just humans, we're either all in or all out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. boom bust behavior. I'm definitely like that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so, so what we've said basically about running, just to kind of um, bring it all together, is great, great to get going, but obviously you need to recover in between. That was, that was the first one. Um, second one being you've got to strengthen everything up, not just your ankles and your knees, but everything up the, up the lower limb um, is really important, so the whole leg. Um, if, you, if there is any pain, it is possible to carry on. Obviously, um, if you're really worried about it or it's really significant or you're losing your power and strength, seek some help and support. Um, or if you haven't tried the rest, try that again and all the other ways to manage it. But um, maybe there are other ways that you can try and change your running style, increase your speed a little bit, reduce the step length, uh, maybe increase the step width, those sorts of things. And is there anything else that people can do in terms of their running and activity during this time to help help keep them moving? I mean, you've got quite a few alternatives. It depends. I mean, even like something like brisk walking instead yeah. of instead of running. Um, as long as you're feeling slightly out of breath and it feels hard, there's going to be a, a very mild. There's going to be a benefit to that, yeah. fitness-wise. There's obviously cycling if you have bikes and like a bit like running at the moment. It feels like the Tour de France outside all the time. Yeah. Cyclists. I know you're one of those as well. Yeah, that's definitely been me. <laughs> <laughs> but cycling is, especially for knees, cycling is a much, like, much easier option than running is in terms of the load that has to go through. Yeah. And I know generally if... If we've got someone with a very painful knee or arthritic knee or even a post-surgery knee, cycling you can pretty much do straight away. Yeah. With no real issues. Just, just a, little take bit, a load off. little bit of range of movement and then you're away. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, and I think it's just, it's a great time as well. We've never really had this time where people are so interested in, in trying to get active. Never has the government said before that we are shut down, but you can go out and exercise. So I think it is a great time, as you say, to try different things, whether that's cycling or brisk walking or, or anything. It's, we know that those who are more active and healthier get, tend to get less injuries. So um, I think it's great for us. Um, is there anything else you wanted to discuss, Paul? Or should we, um, should we let everyone know where they can find us? No, I think that's, yeah, it's a good, good start yeah. uh, to these things. I would say it's a very cheesy segue to it, but we have wrote a, a sort of couch. We've adapted the current couch to 5K that the NHS do. Yeah. And we, because I know we spoke that, the main issue we found with that couch to 5k is there's no strength and conditioning element to it but the actual running progressions were okay mm. but yeah just as a cheesy segue to say that we've produced a 
Couch to 5K document and not only has the walking and running element to it, but the strength and conditioning side to it, which is going to be available for free on our website. And we'll sort of chuck a link there. So if people are do want to get into running and do it without getting injured, then uh, yeah, they should check that out. Yeah, I know. Uh, definitely. That's part of the reason why we've done it, isn't it? Is the, the Couch to 5K is a great tool and I've, I've had so many clients myself who that's how they got running and now they're running 10ks half marathons marathons triathlons genuinely they've got into that because they didn't think that they were able to start running or they were told that it was bad for their knees or or it was it just wasn't for them it was those types of things that i kept hearing but then they did the couch to 5k and um what we've done is just it's just made that a bit more of a sort of more robust method and also it's hopefully um a way to stay injury free while you do do the couch to 5k so yeah that will be available on our on our website um and yeah if there is anyone um watching who wants to ask any questions for us um we'll definitely be able to answer those um next time so fire those across um whether that's on our um social media or on our website or on on the link um that we suggest yeah i'll make so we've got a bit on the website where people can answer answer questions like so this is anything injury related health related like bit nutrition if they want to pre and post operative care like yeah questions that we could hopefully help them with if they go to bfrphysio.com slash podcast and they can show fire away whatever questions and we'll hopefully answer all of them if not as many as we can yeah perfect all right cheers paul what you got going on for the rest of the day uh i'll probably have another coffee yeah. and Obviously, go for a bit, but it's a bit sunny, so might get the dartboard set up outside, play a bit of darts, virtual darts against our friends. Yeah. Well, that's uh, another sport we didn't talk about. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so many. <laughs> uh, that's a bit more, a bit more like it for me. <laughs> like, and what about you? I'll be out joining the rest of the Tour de France. Uh, yeah. In, in a short, a short few minutes, so I'll um, yeah, I'll be heading out and about while the weather's nice, getting my once a day um exercising and and yeah we um just hope that everyone who is watching their family's all right and staying safe and uh yeah hopefully get in contact and we can try and help you stay healthy and active during this time yeah keep safe yeah stay safe and yeah we're, we're here to help basically in these times of need so so yeah keep well keep mildly active and yeah we'll get through this in the end yeah hopefully it won't be too long all right We'll see you later. Take care, everyone. Take care. Yep. See you soon. Bye. All right. Bye.